You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Did you listen to the Mean Girls musical like I told you to? When did you tell me to listen to the Mean I Girls? I sent you a message. I sent you a message in the middle of the day and I was like, listen to the Mean Girls musical. It's on Spotify. Did I say okay? I probably said okay. And I just never did. I think you actually ignored the message. But I'm used, <laughs> he ignores my messages. I um, do not ignore them. You ignore them. I open them. them with full intent to respond to them and then sometimes I forget. And then like three days later, I'm like, oh, I never responded to Evan. I well, should probably do that. you should. You've seen the movie Mean Girls, right? Yes. Yes. That's what I was like. Okay. Um, so you should listen to the musical. It's very good. Do you like Mean Girls? Have you ever seen it? I love Mean Girls. Mean Girls. I didn't know there was a musical. Okay, well, first of all, Tina Fey made it a musical, and, um, you can listen to the musical on Spotify, and you, and because you know the story of Mean Girls, it's easy to follow along, and it's amazing. Nice. Nice. That will be on my commute to work. Yes, everyone. Free plug for Mean Girls musical. It's on Spotify. Um, I'm your host, Evan Jones, plugging Mean Girls. And I am the incredibly unoriginal Paul yes. Hobbs. Oh, good. Some truth. Wow, look at you living your truth. Living my truth. It's a new oh thing I'm God. trying in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, good. Fucking four months into the year, you're now going to... That's your New Year's resolution. I, You know what? Sometimes I start a resolution and I can't keep up with it. Uh-huh. I got too much going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I decided that maybe honesty is the best policy, but I had to get to that point in my life. You know what your resolution should be? Your resolution should be to set a New Year's resolution around April or May and then go from there. That's a good idea. Yeah. Start off right, right? Right? That's right. Start Second off right. I'm too busy in January. There's a lot going on. Seasonal depression. It's January. Um, you want to set a goal you, you what, can accomplish? May. Set it in April. That's right. That's right. That's why I decided <laughs> to get married in April because I knew this time it was going to stick. I got married in January the first time. That's it. That was and your it first didn't mistake. Stick. That was it didn't mistake. stick. As James like, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so Vima, oh, also, we have our guest with us again, Vima. So and, hi, I'm Vima Manfredo, host of um, Down No Particular Road, which is a camping podcast that by the time this series should be out in camping season. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. guess what? They haven't encountered a bear yet. Not, which, Not with the RV. <laughs> that's why they have the RV. Right. So yeah. yeah. I, d- I did encounter a bear uh, or something that sounded like a bear when we were camping, uh, tent camping. We don't Mm-mm. tent camp anymore. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, see. Tent camping is just, yeah, it's just asking for I it. I went yeah. tent, camping, tent camping once mm-hmm. and uh, 
I went to go get more firewood. Oh, you can for, tell the full story. Are you not going to tell the full story? For, I thought you just said you were going to be honest, but I guess not. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. I may have gotten a little stoned on some burnt marijuana. It was a yeah. long time ago. Well, I've never done long it. Long after ever the since. statute of limitations ran out, for sure. <laughs> um, and it's legal in Massachusetts, anyways. Now. <laughs> That's true. And um, so, anyways, that was the first time ever that I had ever experienced that, and I saw shapes in the fire. And then I was like, we need more firewood. I can't let this go away. So I went to the edge of the forest and was going to get more firewood. And there was a demon in the forest. Something <laughs> made a terrifying, beastly noise. Mm-hmm. Couldn't definitely, have been a beast. No, it was nope. definitely not an animal. It was definitely a demon. Yep. And I have never run so fast in my life. <laughs> And our friend Katie was with us, uh-huh. and at that time, she, I don't know if she's still wearing her nails as, like, the daggers. Oh, my God, yeah. And Katie went through this phase where, like, her nails were pointed. They were very long and they sharp. were very pointed. Not like just, not like just Deliberately, pointed. Deliberately, which was very sad because at that time, she was also in the midst of her lesbian um, experience, <laughs> and I don't know how that all went together, she but... She never a top. No. <laughs> no. She was um. like, um, I'm just like, I'm kind of into this girl, I like her, and I'm looking at her nails, and I'm like, I don't know, what What are you doing? Um, and yeah, so she was with me, she grabbed my arm, pierced my skin, and we like sprinted back, and mm-hmm. I like left her behind, because I was like, listen, bitch, if this thing's gonna get one of us, it's not gonna be me. I'm surprised she let you leave me behind. I'm pretty sure dangerous. I like tried to trip her. Like, I'm sure I, you did. <laughs> did I ever tell you? Okay, completely off topic, but <laughs> good, one good. time Katie and I went to a haunted house, and this mm. was the only the second time I had ever smoked in my life, okay? <laughs> Every story, you're like, and so this is always like that. So this so is this, the second time of the second time. Okay. So yeah. the, like, this is only the 47th listen, time that I've ever smoked in my life. And, and it's the exact same as the fact that I turned 25, like three years in a row. Um, so you went to the hot yes, house. You so, smoked for only the second time yes, in your ever, life. That I've, and I've never done it since. Never. Um, and... Uh, we got put with this group. for So for some reason, you had to have like at least four people to go through the haunted house. Like You couldn't go as a group of two. I don't know why. That's just mm-hmm. what they did. So they like merged us with the people in front of us. Mm. And we were going, and I do really good. And then we get about halfway through, and we turn this corner, and this guy jumps out with an axe. Now, I've said it a million times. I'm going to be murdered by an axe. That's how I'm going to go. Yep, that's I've true. Always he said been... that. Even Vemus heard him say yeah, that. Yeah, I heard I... it, and I just met you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... He just opens up conversations, <laughs> new friendships with that. I'll probably be murdered by an axe. I just Don't get too attached. That's my truth, and I'm being honest with myself. <laughs> yeah, so, go ahead. this guy jumps around the corner with an axe. Uh-huh. There is a 14-year-old girl in front of me mm-hmm. wearing a ponytail. I never grabbed a ponytail so fast <laughs> in my life. I whipped her in front of me, and I ran. So... So, I, I'm sorry if you ever listen to this podcast. If you're like, there was an asshole who grabbed me by my fucking ponytail and whipped me in front of this guy with an axe. I'm sorry. Don't she put your children you in know, front of Paul. I think she had so much adrenaline. She didn't like. She didn't react. Yeah. Like she didn't like try to fight me. She didn't say like what the fuck. She just kept going. Right. I, I don't. I don't think you stop in a haunted house and talk about this. Like anyways. I felt so bad. And mind you, this little girl is just like like nothing happened. Yeah. Ah uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I always, as a store manager, I always told my employees if we ever got robbed, I was running out the back door, so they needed to figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, strong leadership right there. That's right. If anybody ever comes in here with a gun, I'm gone. You're on your own. Yep. I want you to know now, so you're not shocked if it happens. Yeah, good I'm being for you. very honest and upfront. So yeah, Paul's very much an every man for himself kind of deal. <laughs> so good luck. 
if you're in a horror movie with me, you're fucked. Yeah, which is really sad for me because I'm probably going to be the person stuck in a horror movie with you. Definitely. That's fine. Whatever. I don't care. How did that even come up? I don't. I don't know, Paul. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where this even started. This started with Viva just trying to plug her, oh, her camping podcast. I just want to get listeners to my podcast, and suddenly <laughs> and we're talking I'm, about ads murders. Exactly. There are no ads murders on our podcast. Just camping. Yet. Glamping. Hopefully ever, Let's be actually. here for you here. Yeah. Uh, so we do RV camping. No serial killers. No bears. <laughs> lot of s'mores. So she says for now. For I now. bet you make a really good s'more. You're going to have to make a s'mores one day. I make really good s'mores and not just classic s'mores. You use the the basel, the, the Italian cookie, and then you can use some um, Reese's uh, peanut butter cups mm. and then the marshmallow. Mm. We're going to have to have a s'more good. party one day. Yeah, we are going to have to have a s'more party. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know you could do that. I yeah. thought you could only well, look use at how limited cracker. we are. Uh, uh, just uh, grand crackers uh, are so dry. You need like a gallon of milk afterwards. So the pastel, or however you pronounce it, I'm not Italian. You're probably it's, pronouncing it better than us, anyways. Yeah. yeah. So it's like thinner, and it tastes like a waffle almost. Mm-hmm. That cookie, and then you just have a ginormous marshmallow roasted. Always torch your marshmallow. Don't listen to my husband and co-host. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do marshmallows. You have to torch the thing. Okay. And then you put a peanut butter cup and then melt the peanut butter in it. I would have never in my so life thought good. to do that. You know, I wouldn't have even. I always, <laughs> I never, if someone's like, how about you get creative with your s'mores? I'd be like, what is this nonsense you're talking Are about? Are you trying to burn it a little more on one side or burn a face into that <laughs> what marshmallow? Did, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think you were allowed to do that, break that s'more rule, but now you are. You're free, Christian. Be free. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I'm breaking everything. I don't know what oh you're god. doing. Wow. I you're the tech savvy. If you break down then this whole podcast is is shit. Do we read this part? Um, we read we that one. So anyway, so we are back uh this week with the second half of the story of the amazing, phenomenal Jose Julio Saria. Saria. Or Saria if you wanna pronounce it more English tone. Go to the first uh, part, then I explain the whole thing about Sadia versus yeah. Sadia. You're going to yeah, be really go to the lost. First part. <laughs> there's there's going to be absolutely no recap. Exactly. You yeah. have to listen no to the first No bitches. One. We don't do recaps, so you have to listen to the first one. That's how we get our downloads. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. So, we're concluding. So, we when we left out, Jose Julio was, uh, he, um, his, uh, he had just returned from war, fighting in World War II after sucking a guy off so that he could enlist in the military because he was too short. Really got to go back and listen to that first part. Um, and then his uh, his boyfriend, Paul, was killed in a car crash. And Paul's asshole brother uh, refused to leave Jose Julio the fortune that Paul had set aside for him. Because we, we mentioned very quickly that Paul was a baron. So he was a very wealthy guy, you know, over here in America. So... Um, We'll pick back up on the story. Who wants to go first? Paul. <laughs> Struggling to recover from Paul, not my death. Wow. Uh, Jose Julio enrolled in school again. You never know. You got to make things clear for people. <laughs> You're like, listeners like, Paul's dead. He <laughs> was taking over. What happened? <laughs> What's going on here? Never, I only missed a couple downloads. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, this time with... Uh, Jose enrolled. Jose Julio enrolled in school again. This time with dreams of becoming a teacher. He really just wants to help people and do he a does. job where you just get screwed over all the time. Anyways, unfortunately, that new dream would go out the window when Saria, 
was set up on solicitation charges. An officer he knew personally framed Jose Julio to make an example for the growing homosexual crowd. What Char- a dick. Yeah. Right? Right. What the uh, hell? <laughs> this guy is just trying to be fucking veteran who decided to fight for a country that already shits on him for being a Latin American. And, and then, queer. And queer. And queer. And, queer, and short. Just throw out the short people under the bus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and then this officer personally like sets him up, which um, Jose Julio would fight those charges, but like it was it was completely set up and made up and, and just to make him an example. And he's just a good guy trying to do good. You right. know. But that during his career, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, he's a teacher, so you can't. If you have sex deviant, which is AKA your homosexual sex deviant charges, you can't be a teacher. You can't be around children. No. Are you kidding me? Not as not as a sex deviant. No. So charged with a huge fine and a federal record, Jose Julio quit school, knowing he'd never be allowed to teach in one. In order to blow off steam, he and his sister Teresa hit up a local club called the Black Cat Bar. Uh, there they both went, were smitten with a waiter named Jimmy. Oh, that must have sucked. Yeah. The two took a bet to see who could seduce Jimmy first, and Jose Julio won. In fact, Jimmy and Jose Julio started dating, and this led to Jose Julio getting a job at the club. All right, so, yeah, so um, Jose beats his sister out for this, uh, for Jimmy. So she probably didn't stand a chance, to be honest. I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna guess that. I it's I, like healthy guess, like ninety percent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't we don't know if Jimmy was bisexual or you know what he was at least attracted to men. Mm-hmm. We got that one down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then they started dating after that. So and anyways, that's what you said. Getting Jose Julio a yeah. job at the club. So still struggling to make money, Jose Julio decided to try drag and entered a contest. He won second place and earned a two-week contract for $100. Suddenly, Saria, I'm going to do it, knew knew what he was meant to do. He said of the experience, I decided then to be the most notorious impersonator or homosexual or fairy or whatever you wanted to call me and you could pay me for it. That's the way to go, right? All the way. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be gay, be gay. Now, I don't know what that means. <laughs> be the gayest gay. That be the gayest gay that yeah. you could be. Yeah. Say that to yourself in the mirror, kids. A few weeks later, the piano player at the Black Cat began playing a song Jose Julio knew well. He began singing as he served drinks, and within weeks, he was a full blown. He had a full blown contract. Within a few months, he was known as the Nightingale of Montgomery Street. His campy one-man version of notable operas peppered with local references and humorous commentary changed the black cat from a bohemian venue into a world-famous gay bar and a place of community for gay men. See, don't you wish there was... I'm I'm sure there is, Uh but I feel like now gay bars are very, like... Mm. It's all just, like, really loud, like, techno music and on the floor dancing, and there's a lot of steam. Sometimes there's quiet nights and they do have drag shows and things like that it's but not like it's not, it's not like a that. cultural experience exactly I, like. I would like to i would like to go there and see like i'm all for drag shows but you're right yeah the drag shows are just like it's a lot of techno stuff and i would just like to see a queen by techno i mean pop i don't know why i said pop. techno i don't know i'm following your lead. <laughs> i just imagined glow sticks when you said that exactly that's, that's <laughs> tons and tons of glow sticks that's what i'm imagining just like a, a glowing stage and you know but just i want to see a queen get up and just like belt out a beautiful song you know and like a place where any person wants to come 
You just don't have nightclubs like that. Back in my day, <laughs> we had nightclubs where you could go and you could watch a pretty broad sing a song. <laughs> Anyways, I, we had a lot of sexism and, and such back then too, but we had great nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Aside from all the rape and harassment that was going on. Anyways. And cannibalism and things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. I mean, <laughs> I forgot where we were. With the new, with the new queen. Well, oh, all right, the new queen. Us. Sorry. <laughs> the new queen encouraged patrons to be as open and honest as possible. People were living double lives, and I didn't understand it. It was persecution. Why be ashamed of who you are? He encouraged his audience, saying, There's nothing wrong with being gay. The crime is getting caught. <laughs> United we stand. Divided they catch us one by one. Mm-hmm. At the end of his performances, he will call up the patrons to join hands and sing God Save Us, Nelly Queens to the tune of God Save the Queen. Occasionally, he even brought the crowd outside to sing the final verse to the men across the street in jail who had been arrested in race earlier in the night. George mm, Mendenhall. Mendenhall, that's not a Latin name. <laughs> George Mendenhall. A gay journalist said of this experience, It sounds silly, but if you lived at that time and had the oppression coming down from the police department and from society, there was nowhere to turn. And to be able to put your arms around other gay men and be able to stand up and sing, God save us, Nelly Queens. We were really not saying, God save us, Nelly Queens. We were saying, we have our right to. Yeah, this is... It's so incredible to me. You know, we just finished our series on Jeffrey Dahmer a few weeks ago. If you haven't listened to it, trigger warning. But if you do, if you can get through it. Um, and it's so incredible that, um, you know, the, the police are constantly harassing the gay mm-hmm. community. Con- well, the jail's right across the street. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, not- <laughs> the jail's across the street. You can just throw people in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then the difference. But, you know, you have to put off to put in the fact that these are people of color as well because you see the difference with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer who is a a gay white guy who has a fucking rap sheet of sexual assault. Like, long rap sheet of sexual assault, child molestation. The police catch a young boy running out of his apartment naked, bleeding, clearly uh, he's incoherent and the police just return him back to Jeffrey Dahmer because they're like, ah, this guy, he's fine. You know, I don't want to deal with all. The, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know but my point is like it's the difference of like looking at this gay white man versus a gay person of color. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Jose Saria, Jose Julio, um, he it was Jose Julio has a person set him up to make an example of yeah. the homosexual community. You can't ignore the fact that it, he all the officer also chose a person of color to make an example of the homosexual uh, community mm-hmm. and further conflating that these people. Are bringing all their, uh, their their crimes, their deviancy into our country. You yeah, know? it's it's part of the scapegoat, a scapegoat mm-hmm. of oh the the country is going to shit. That means that is the weird guy that I don't understand's fault, and right. the weird guy that I don't understand is often the 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 minority, the the person of color, the person that has a sexual minority, or um. It doesn't fall into the 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 bots of that society thinks that needs to fall on, mm-hmm. and so they become the 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 targets. Even though you have worse people 
that you're not looking at because like Jeffrey Dahmer, like <laughs> right. Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. that because they probably because they look like you and you don't want to deal with that. And he's yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. let's grab this brown man because he sounds funny and has an accent and he's he weird. doesn't crack, drag and mm-hmm. all these things. And he's like, well, he has a bigger heart than a lot of other people that you're letting go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're letting this asshole Jeffrey Dahmer go. He he raped twelve men in like one year and the police didn't do a single thing about it. You know, but you're like. Jeffrey Dahmer could very easily pass for a straight guy. He's white. He's big. You know, he doesn't dress and drag. And, um, you know, it's easy to, to, you know, let that guy go. And, and even, then, pre- even if you know, you can still pretend that you don't know. And you can just... Exactly. You he's know? just one of the one of the good old American he's boys. Just a girl, yeah. Good it's old. easy to turn a blind eye when, yeah, when, exactly. when you don't... Your, your physical appearance doesn't seem menacing to the cultural norms. Yeah. So it's exactly. like when when you have and you see it still to this day when mm-hmm. people that look with the darker skin tone or with the different hair or with a different gender um, outfit or anything like that it, they don't fall into a box. So it's like they're the bad people because they're not in my neat little box of security blanket. Yeah, like let go of your security blanket people. That's true. And you know, if you target those people, you're probably going to get away with it easier than you are if you target right because else. they're minorities. Not everybody has their back. So. Yeah. Hey, Queerstians, thanks for listening to today's episode of Your Queer Story. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with your free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I love Audible. I have had my subscription for over two years, and it is worth every single penny. I listen to it all the time. I hate to read, but I love listening to things while I work. Audible gives me the opportunity to listen to the best selling books while I'm at my computer or driving and makes the day fly by. And the best part is that Audible offers a wide variety of queer-friendly books as well. So you can listen to anything from The Queer History of the United States by Michael Bronski to over 200 LGBTQ fantasy novels. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com queer. Again, that's audibletrial.com queer for your free audiobook. So whether he realized it or not, Jose Julio was becoming a political activist. The longer he performed, the, p- the bolder he became in his criticism of police brutality, and the bolder those around him became as well. Jose Julio began to encourage his friends to stand up to the police in court rather than silently pay their fines and shame, which was, that's basically like, you want it to like just pay it off, don't have to go to court. You so, don't want anybody to know. Exactly. You don't right. want to be outed for your crime, for being gay. Um... <clears throat> While going to court was certain to publicly out a person, it sent a message that queers weren't going to hide in the closet anymore. A message that directly conflicted with other organizations such as the Madison Society and Daughters of Belitis. These secret societies, at the time, were founded and run mostly by white individuals. So we must wonder if Jose Julio's ethnicity and lifetime of experiencing discrimination is what gave him courage rather than intimidation. I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you live in a, in a world that you are a minority and you are always on your feet you you always have your guard on because the way that you look from a mile away you know you could be discriminated against mm-hmm. that helps you build a stronger backbone to stand up to that and say mm-hmm. fuck this i'm i'm yeah. done you can't hide like you, yeah. can't, you can't you can't hide even yeah. if you can hide maybe being queer or whatever you still can't hide the color of your skin you don't get exactly. an opportunity to just be 
Right. Exactly. So I think because he probably experienced discrimination from the moment that he stepped to the uh, United States, I don't remember if he was born here or not. The, yes. the from the moment that he was here he probably experienced discrimination he probably built a good immunity to deal with it yeah. and a good like set of skills that help him navigate through life in America in the 30s 40s and 50s mm -hmm. and even 60s as a brown man that was also queer mm -hmm. and it was also a drag and all these things mm -hmm. and he was outcasted from everyone and I'm pretty sure he was probably outcasted by the Latino community as well yeah of, to an extent it makes sense yeah at least a portion of yeah. yeah I want to think that I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure I'm not yeah <laughs> because the, the Latino community is also very conservative and it's also very like you, you're a man you do men things you're a woman you do women things and only you two can marry it and that, that's, the, that's the end of things mm -hmm. so he's also fighting against that in, against his own culture in that way. So he's fighting against his own culture. He's fighting against the culture of the United States because he's not part of it. So he's an outcast on every every area mm -hmm. of his life. So I'm pretty sure he was had a backbone of steel yeah. and was able to stand up to a lot of things. Yeah. It's a burden of those intersectional identities mm -hmm. where you are now you're facing things on all fronts. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I think in... in and this is something that's important. And in our next episode, we cover Sylvia Rivera, and you see between these two, um, these two people, and and this is around the time that the gay rights movement starts to take off in the United States, and it's we we see the whitewash in um, queer history because it was people of color for that very reason that that moved us forward because people like the Madison Society wanted us to quietly just be like, all right, guys, we're just going to, we're going to go into court. We're going to kind of quietly overturn these roles. Because these, they could these still laws. live their life fine. Exactly. The they could they still hide. They did. Else. The Daughters of Belize the same way. They were, they both started as secret societies because they had the privilege of hiding. And so they were like, let's just not make too much of a fuss. That's why the Madison Society was so upset when the Stonewall riots happened because they were like, that's not our intent. And that's why the people of color were so important because they had to face discrimination every day. They're like, no, fuck this. Let's get out there. We have to be heard. And that's when you see the change, when you know the people of color in the queer community were like, no, we've had enough. We can't wait for you guys anymore. We don't have the privilege of waiting like mm -hmm. you guys do anymore. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, <clears throat> go ahead, Paul. That's me. Ascensions in the city mounted the San, the San, San Francisco, Francisco yeah. The San Francisco police preyed on the most sacred of queer holidays, Halloween, which is literally How dare you. gay Christmas. <laughs> um, one favorite harassment technique employed especially on Halloween after midnight was to arrest drag queens under an old city ordinance that made it illegal for a man to dress in woman's clothing with an intent to deceive. Wow. I, okay. Jose <laughs> Julio con, uh, consulted with the lawyer and then c countered, this yeah, countered this tactic by distributing labels to fellow drag queens, handmade in the shape of a black cat's head. That's that, branding right there. That is. The black mm -hmm. cats. <laughs> that read, I am a boy. If confronted, the queen would simply display the tag to prove that there was no intent to deceive. Sarias. Did I say that right? Sarias. 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 We're not. Sarias. Sarias. Actions helped bring an end to Halloween police raids. Yeah, so that's great. Clever as fuck. That's like, super clever. It's like, yeah. oh, you're trying to deceive me into thinking uh, you're actually, a woman. No, it says right here, I'm a boy, so yeah, if you um, can't read leave this, me the I'm fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, two can play at this game, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> All right. 
during this time. Yeah. <laughs> during this time, around 1960 to 1961, Saria also teamed up with Guy Straight. That's his name. Guy Very Straight. white name. <laughs> Very white name. <laughs> to form the League for Civil Education, LCE. The LCE ran educational programs on topic of homosexuality and provided support for men being ostracized for being gay and for those caught for those caught in police raids. After a, year, a few years later, Jose Jose Julio split with the league to co-found the Society for Individual Rights (SIR) in 1964. The purpose of the group was to focus on the street level organizing. He also co-founded the Tavern Guild, an association of gay bar and restaurant owners who agreed to donate money to gay concerns. And when the prominent citizens of San Francisco told Jose Julio that organizing gays into voting block was impossible, he responded by saying, watch me. Yeah, bitch. That's right. Well, <laughs> I want to think, I that, wanna think that he said that. I, 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 I agree with that. that. Yeah, this was very important because now he's he's turning them into voting block, and now it's like he's saying our voices can be heard, which people didn't think before. Then they're like, our voices don't matter. Why does? Yeah, matter? they're all spread all over, and they didn't think to just say, hey, what if we all come together? Yeah, like what we can we can do this. We can, and this all starts with him telling people you got to be public. That's why you have to be public because. Others around you need to know. They need to know that their neighbors are, are gay or transgender or, you know, or bisexual. They need to know that the people that they're living with are queer. And then, you know, you, you start to change hearts and minds that way. You can't do that if you're hiding in the closet, which do what you need to do. But if you can't come out, you know, it's helpful. So amidst all this political activism, Jose Julio made his most prominent attempt to aid the LGBTQ community. In 1961, he became the first openly gay individual to run for city office. Yes, before Harvey Milk. In fact, over a decade before Harvey mm -hmm. Milk. While he finished ninth in the race against 35 others, Jose Julio had caused a greater victory. In his own words, he stated, From that day on, nobody ran for anything without knocking on the doors of the gay community. Jose Julio not only made politicians aware that they had a duty to represent queer Americans, but he also woke up the LGBTQ community to their need for politics. Before Jose Julio made queer individuals, before Jose Julio, many queer individuals did not see their vote as something that mattered, but now they had a voice. I feel like that's the start of pride, of mm -hmm. LGBTQ pride, different than the Stonewall riots mm -hmm. bringing the pride. The Stonewall, Stonewall riots brought on the stop raiding on me because I am gay or lesbian or etc. But the way that he did it is like, not only am I part of the LGBT community, not, not only am, am I queer, but it's important that I am queer and yeah. it's important to the country that I am queer mm -hmm. and my vote matters and I'm going to vote keeping my queerness in my mind. And I'm not going to vote for the guy that says that the queer people are evil. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that kind of brought on... I feel like matching what he did with what the Stone, Riot, Stone Riots did is what brought on the modern uh, LGBT rights movement. Mm -hmm. Where you have the pride of, I am who I am, but also the pride of, I am who I am, and I have power. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. That's agree. Yeah, I agree. That, that, you know, that sparked it. This is almost a decade before... Um, Stonewall when he runs for city office and, and, and like you said he shows that we 
we have a voice mm-hmm. and that brings a p- group of people together when they feel like they can have a say they're going to band together even more and, and politicians have to know that hey you better pay attention to us yeah and then this group like another group from another state will mm-hmm. see them and then it just exactly. spreads yeah like wildfire so jose julio's most <coughs> jose julio's most lasting legacy would be founded in 1964 Writer Jeffrey J. Lavanone. I think it's I. I that's an I. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is it well, Ayovanan? I, I don't know. I know it's I an I because I put it on lower caps to check which yeah, one it was. Ayovanani, <laughs> and um, I think he's a person of color, but he writes really. Um, he writes for Medium.com, and he did a whole series uh, about a year ago on queer people of color, and it's really it's really good. Um, I pulled a lot of his stuff. So on June of 2018, he wrote, It was in 1964 when Jose Julio proclaimed himself Her Royal Majesty, Empress of San Francisco, Jose I, the Widow Norton. I get mad with his name. No, it's literally... I, I, that I just, title. Not, I just this imagine is, him like... This is where Game of Thrones got the idea from. Yeah, yeah, yeah I sure. guarantee you. I just imagine him being like, Hello, it's Her Royal Majesty, Empress of San Francisco, Jose one, the Widow Norton. Jose the first, I guess it would be. But yes, that also, the Widow Norton. like Literally. Yeah, that. So, um, in 1965, he created what is perhaps the most enduring piece of his legacy, the Imperial Court System. Through the Imperial Court, Jose Julio expanded drag culture into a political network. The Imperial Court System today functions as a nation, a national, a national <laughs> network of courts. Which Paul competed in for Mr. Gay I Rhode Island. And I lost, but I still <laughs> but competed. But you did. He, but he did a great rendition of It's Rainy Men. I did. He had a cute fun. little raincoat and everything. Was, Please tell me that's on YouTube. I have the link. He does, it, you, sh- it, you should share it to our page. Your, our Please. listeners want to watch you. Yes. <laughs> it's a remix of Singing in the Rain into It's Raining Men. Yes. Oh my God. I want to watch that. <laughs> so, um, so these ho- courts hold gala coronation balls and extra- extravaganzas for political and charitable causes. Courts are similar to the drag house system and ball culture as depicted in Ginny Livington, Livingston's 1991 documentary, Paris is Burning. Or Pose, if you watch Pose, which you should, if you have the channel. Yep. Though courts do not generally engage in competitions and performers can belong to multiple courts. Both courts and houses provide members with chosen family as a means to resist heterosexual norms and institutions. Yeah, so the court wasn't, it wasn't just like, it's not just a beauty pageant. Like, this was... Uh, a way of life. It was a community, and it was a safe space for queer people to come together. And you know, and of course, in the middle of it, you can also have fun, and you can dress up, and mm-hmm. you know. But it was, it, but it was also, you know, it's a political um, entity. It's active, you know, it's activism and helping the queer community. So this wasn't just again just a beauty pageant. They can't stress that enough. Go ahead, Dima. And the courts wasn't oh, just a fun pageant. Like you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> like everything Jose Julio did. Did. They got political. They yeah, got right. political. Yeah. That, that was just confusing. Um, and they endorsed Harvey Milk in his 1977 successful campaign run for city supervisor. Throughout the years, the court aided in various camp- causes and grew to the span over the entire United States. The drag queens travel across the country putting on shows, and Jose and few of the queens appeared into two movies, Two Wong Fu and Thanks for Everything, Julie. You ever seen any of those? That's the same movie. 
Oh, that's the same movie? <laughs> it's a, no, it said two no. movies. No. Chu Wang Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julian Newmar. It's one movie. Oh, okay. So maybe... Really? I don't know the, the name of the other movies. Because I thought that was just so one that So that one and another one that we don't have the title for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was, I used to watch that movie on repeat as a child. My mom made me gay. Yeah, she... No. Okay. <laughs> um, apparently, Jose Julio made you gay because you were watching... Wait, is he the... Does he play the... I don't know. He it's just, he What's was in the movie. Name? That's his most famous one. Okay, keep reading. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Okay. And of course, Jose Julio stayed as extra as ever. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the name Widow Norton was chosen by Jose Julio in honor of an eccentric 19th century San Francisco citizen, Joshua Norton. <laughs> and every year, Jose Julio will don an all-black gown and organize a parade to lay fa- flowers on Norton's grave in Colma, Florida. I mean, California. <laughs> <laughs> Same death. <laughs> uh, eventually, he purchased a plot next to Norton and is buried there today. That's my favorite and most extra thing about Jose Julio is this every year he's fucking dressed in all black down to the gloves, showing up at this guy's grave and he's got a whole parade of people that he's rounded up to do this and they're laying flowers on this person's grave and then he buys the plot next to uh, Joshua Norton to be buried there next to him. And he doesn't even know the guy. The guy was 100 years before him. He didn't want to be buried next to his widower? Paul, I guess. It had uh, been too many decades, I yeah. think. Look, look why he used his name as for though on IMDb. Widow Norton. The Widow Norton. That's what Widow Norton. Him. That's what he used yep. his name That's who he Absolutely. was. But uh, the um, the original Norton, mm-hmm. wasn't he also very strength-centric yeah. that he called himself like the Emperor of the United States or something like that? Yeah, which is where Jose uh, Julio got it, which I think we, in the future we'll probably do like a mini episode on Joshua Norton or like combine it with like eccentric characters we don't know a lot about, but yeah. He was, and and so he was more of an inspiration to Jose Julio, but um, yeah, that's good. Uh, Sadly, he, Jose Julio, did not have another lover to be buried with. Jose Julio's longtime partner, Jimmy Moore, struggled desperately with alcoholism. Unable to see a way out, Jimmy took his own life. Jose Julio said of his partner's death, and so that ended my big romance, the great love of my life. It carried on for nine years. But he found solace in the family of the imperial court. Jose Julio would rule over the court for 43 years until his resignation in 2007. He was known affectionately in the court as Mama Jose. I love that name, Mama Jose. Mama Jose. I I, Um, I just love it. (laughs) He was honored in 2005 with the San Francisco LGBT Pride Celebration Committee's Lifetime Achievement Grand Marshal. That's a long ass name for like. Let's wrap it up, people. I had to take a breath in the <laughs> so you have that title, and then you have to say, and he's awarded to the Great Empress. And who's the person that has to get up? All right, the Great, you're right, the Great Empress, the Widow Norton, the Jose the First. <laughs> That's time people are like packing up and leaving. Like, let me out. So on May twenty fifth, two thousand six, Saria's lifetime of activism was commemorated when the city of San Francisco renamed a section of. 16th Street in the Castro to Jose Saria Court. A plaque outlining his accomplishments is embedded in the sidewalk. It's a lot easier to type that name. The Har- I bet. The Harvey Milk Memorial branch of the San Francisco Public Library, which located at one. <laughs> Juan Jose Saria Court. Why didn't we have Vima read That's this? That's why we have me here. Why, yeah. In 2009, the California State Assembly honored 
Saria during an official celebration of LGBT Pride Month on June 21st. Oh, wow, we made it through. Go ahead. On August 19, 2013, Jose Julio Saria passed away from cancer at his home in Los Ranchos in Albuquerque. 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 That's, 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 that's too white American for me. Saria's Albuquerque. Saria's <laughs> imperial drag themed funeral was of held course. on September 6, 2013 at Grace Cathedral of San Francisco with the Right Reverend Mark Hand. Handley Andrews, Bishop we of... Sw- we should have flip-flopped. Uh, yeah, we yeah. should have switched this. <laughs> this is how I struggle with white American people. Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of California, presiding some uh, a thousand mourners attended the service. Various local and state elected officials participated, including California State Senator Mark Lino, former San Francisco Mayor Art Agnos, San Francisco Treasurer Jose Cisneros, and members of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Leaders of the Imperial Court System and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence attended in full regalia <laughs> with the morning dress for the court dedicated by Saria in advance. Dictated by him. So he, uh, yeah, before he died, he's like, bitches, this is how you're dressing for my funeral. <laughs> yeah. Other dignitaries at the funeral included Stuart Milk, the nephew of politician Harvey Milk and head of the Farm- Harvey Milk Foundation. So, yeah, he, so, you know, he was very loved and by people, uh, everyone in San Francisco. He made a huge impact on the state and especially that community there. Um, and he went out just as extra as he had been his entire life, which was beautiful. I hope to know that many people by I the know, time right? I die. To have as many to as have he a had. full regalia gag. <clears throat> Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah. I hope to at least have met that many people and like had conversations with them because I don't really meet a lot of people. That's going to be me and David at your funeral. <laughs> Pretty <bitch>. much. <laughs> Maybe Sam if she's feeling up to it. She's like, oh God, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So um, the impact he made, you know, the biggest things, you know, him running for office in 1961 and he knew he didn't have a chance and honestly for someone who didn't have a chance he still did pretty Nine well out of 35 yeah yeah and good. he was queer he was gay mm-hmm. he was a dragon he was brown and he mm-hmm. came out ninth holy crap in yeah. the 60s in 19, yeah, 1961 crap. beginning of the 60s yeah That's not not even the cool part of the 60s the, the, the weird part of the 60s yeah like, and it's brave yeah oh my god incredibly brave. i'm sure he got so many so many death threats i'm mm-hmm. sure so many people harassed him at like so much and he just was like you know what i don't give a fuck yeah and you know i'm just gonna be me and be proud and be queer and have a voice and vote yeah so all of you of voting age go and vote because you know other people fought for that exactly yeah this this young uh mentality of i don't need to vote it doesn't matter the person that i wanted isn't going to in office so i guess i'll just fuck the rest of us um i don't want to point out the Bernie or bus people but I'm just saying thanks a lot no it's not their fault but I'm just like this whole mentality of the person I wanted didn't get in office so who fucking cares who's in office um obviously it matters who's in office okay yeah quite a bit I don't know if you've watched the news at all but I mean shit's been burning and white supremacy's on the rise and hate crimes are on the rise hate hate crimes in um what was it in counties in counties where Trump held rallies 
rose over 216%. Mm-hmm. I would say it takes 16. It was yeah, like it over was 200. Over 200. Over 200 percent hate crimes rose in those counties. So for this asshole to go around and pretend that he does not spread hate and he doesn't spread white I don't white know what they're talking supremacy. about. I don't see a difference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. It wasn't on his polls. Fake news. Fake news. Yeah. So, yeah. So vote. Um, like, like Vima said, people fought hard for this. They put their lives on the line for us to be able to and vote. And died. They died. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and don't only vote on like the 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 president mm-hmm. votes. Vote on your on your commissioners, on your school districts, on on all of the local um, elections because those are the ones that dictate the place where you live. I've yeah. actually decided that I'm going to run for school board. Oh, you are. The ward I'm in isn't open until 2022. Okay. 2022. Yeah, I looked into it, but. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I got I got a few years to prepare. Good, that's good. good. Yeah, and again, this this um this election was a it was a local election. Same was Harvey Milk's election. It was a city supervisor position, but those little elections, quote unquote, paved the way for people uh, behind them to be able to take larger seats and you know to go on. And maybe one day we'll have a queer president. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll have another person of color in the office. Who knows at this rate? Could just be old white men again. Could be. It's a lot of them still running. For, I don't, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Anyways, the point is, vote, kids. It matters on all levels. And, um, and know your queer story. Yeah, so uh, stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our succulent sapphist. And our allied hookers. Um... Make sure you... Goodbye. Read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible, you sodomites. And okay. homocrats. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.